Again, Jesus spoke to them, saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So the Pharisees said to him, You are bearing witness about yourself. Your testimony is not true. Jesus answered, Even if I do bear witness about myself, my testimony is true. For I know where I came from and where I am going. But you do not know where I come from or where I am going. You judge according to the flesh. I judge no one. Yet even if I do judge, my judgment is true, for it is not I alone who judge, but I am the Father who sent me. In your law it is written that the testimony of two people is true. I am the one who bears witness about myself, and the Father who sent me bears witness about me. They said to him, therefore, Where is your Father? Jesus answered, You know neither me nor my Father. If you knew me, you would know my Father also. These words he spoke in the treasury as he taught in the temple. But no one arrested him because his hour had not yet come. So he said to them again, I am going away and you will seek me and you will die in your sin. Where I am going, you cannot come. So the Jews said, will he kill himself since he says where I am going, you cannot come? He said to them, you are from below. I am from above. You are of this world. I am not of this world. I told you that you would die in your sins for unless you believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. So they said to him, Who are you? Jesus said to them, Just what I have been telling you from the beginning. I have much to say about you and much to judge, but he who sent me is true, and I declare to the world what I have heard from him. They did not understand that he had been speaking to them about the Father. So Jesus said to them, When you have lifted up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am he, and that I do nothing on my own authority, but speak just as the Father taught me. And he who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone, for I will always do the things that are pleasing to him. As he was saying these things, many believed in him. This is the word of the Lord. So light versus darkness is a major theme in almost all of the great stories of our world. Star Wars, the Lord of the Rings, you probably expected me to talk about the Lord of the Rings, but I'm going to skip that for the morning, although it's very hard. Light versus dark, good versus evil. It's also found in the scripture. This morning we see Jesus call himself the light, the light of the world. One of my favorite stories that makes this very clear, this light versus darkness theme is Madeline LaEngle's book, A Wrinkle in Time. Soon to be a major motion picture. No, they're not paying me to say that, but I did see the movie preview recently. I can't speak for the movie, but I can speak for the book. It's a great book. That's a book about three young children who go looking for their father and they are led by three women who at the very beginning of the book seem to be mysterious, although they're, I'm not going to give it away. I'll just say they're much greater than they initially appear. They take a journey through space and go from one planet to another. And at one point in their journey, they have the opportunity to look at their own planet, the planet earth. And they see that the planet is actually being shrouded and covered by this veil of darkness. It's simply known as the black thing, the black thing in the story. It represents the evil force in the story that the forces of light and the forces of good are fighting against. And as the children are hearing about this black thing and all that's been done thus far in the battle to overcome it, one of the three women who guide the children on their journey, whose name is Miss Whatsit, Miss Whatsit tells them a story. She tells them a story about a star. 
And she says that this star had once exploded in an act of self-sacrifice to fight against the black thing, to fight against the darkness. We find out later that she herself, that she herself was the star. She says, I was a star, a star giving up its life in battle with the thing. I won. Oh yes, my children, I won. But the star lost its life in the winning. Now, that's a great part of a great story that illustrates what is a profound and clear biblical truth. And that is that the light overcomes the darkness. John tells us about that again and again in his gospel because his point in writing this book, as we've seen every week, is that you might see Jesus for who he is and then believe. Believe in him so that you might have life life in his name. And so every week as we encounter Jesus in John's gospel, we're seeing different perspectives of who Jesus is. He makes all these statements in John where he says, I am. They're I am statements. So for example, last time in John 6, Jesus said, I am the bread. I am the bread of life. This morning in John 8, Jesus says, I am the light. I am the light of the world. You can structure the whole gospel of John by these I am statements, which come from the Old Testament. If you've read through the Old Testament, then you might know that the way God in the Old Testament makes himself known, for example, in the burning bush with Moses in Exodus chapter three, God, when asked what his name is, says, I am, I am who I am. And Jesus is now taking that name for himself again and again and again in the gospel. Because Jesus, as John wants each one of us to see this morning, is the full self-disclosure of God. If you want to know what the real God is like, look to Jesus. That's what Christianity at its very core is summoning each one of us to do. So whether you're a Christian whether you're not a Christian, whether you're not sure, if you want to get what Christianity is about, the scriptures tell us again and again and again, look to Jesus because Jesus shows us what God is really like. Today, Jesus says, I am the light. I am the light of the world. So I want to think about that idea with you for a couple of minutes together this morning as Jesus seeks to change us and to grow us and to make himself known to us this morning because he's present with us right here, right now, as the scripture is being read and studied and as the Holy Spirit is present. So two big ideas as we think about Jesus as the light of the world. First, the meaning of the light. And secondly, the revealing of the light. So first, the meaning of the light. Look in verse 12. Jesus says, I am the light of the world. Now, Picking up here in the middle of John 8, that seems to sort of come out of nowhere. He seems to randomly just say that out of the blue. But if you think about what's happening in Jesus's life at this point, this statement will make more sense. Back in John 7, we saw that Jesus and his disciples are at what was called the Feast of Tabernacles or the Feast of Booths. You can read that in chapter 7, verse 2. The Feast of Booths was at hand. And here in John 8, Jesus and his disciples are still there. 
Now, this was a major festival that the ancient Jewish people celebrated every year. Jews still celebrate this festival today. And the Feast of Booths celebrated God's rescue of Israel out of bondage in Egypt and him leading them through the wilderness into the promised land. It was held every year in September or October. And so it also celebrated God's provision for his people through the harvest season. And in this festival, people would travel from all over Israel and they would camp out in the middle of the city of Jerusalem with ramshackle tents or booths. Not like a booth in a diner, a booth as in a tent, which is why it was called the Feast of Booths. And they would camp out in the middle of the city and celebrate for the full week-long festival. And each night, the people would enter into the outer court of the temple, and they would hear the scriptures read, and they would dance, and they would sing. And in the middle of the temple courtyard, there were four massive lamps. And each night, each one of these lamps would have oil poured into it and would be lit, and the Jewish Women and children and husbands would dance and celebrate God's grace and God's love for them. On the last night of the festival, however, the major and the biggest of these lamps would remain unlit. It would remain unlit because the Jews, in refusing to light the lamp on the last night, were saying that we are still waiting for God's promised rescue. We're waiting for the Messiah. We're waiting for the suffering servant that God talks about in the Old Testament to rescue us, to ransom us, to liberate us. And it's in this context that Jesus, on the final night of the festival, stands up with a great crowd around him, with a large unlit lamp right behind him and proclaims, I am. I am the light. I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So unquestionably, part of what Jesus means when he calls himself the light of the world is that he is the personal fulfillment of all of God's promises. Everything that God has said he will do for his people, he does in the person of Jesus Christ. Jesus and Jesus's coming is the dawn of a new day, a new day of God's hope, a new day of God's kingdom. A Jewish person who had been there, can you imagine being there and hearing Jesus say that? If you were familiar with the Old Testament, like most Orthodox Jews were 2,000 years ago, you might have thought of Psalm 27, where we read, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? You might have thought of a prophecy like Zechariah chapter 14. There we read this. Then in that day, the Lord my God himself will come. On that day, there shall be no light, cold or frost. There shall be a unique day, which is known to the Lord, neither day nor night, but at evening time, there shall be light. Jesus is saying everything that you've been waiting for, Everything that you've been hoping in has its fulfillment. It has its satisfaction in me. I am the light of the world. There's more reasons why light 
And darkness are such prominent metaphors, not just in Christianity, but in all major world religions and in all great stories. It's because these metaphors represent something that is true. They have a deep symbolic meaning. So when Jesus calls himself the light of the world, he means more than just, I am the fulfillment of all of God's promises. Let me think with you a little bit more about what he might mean when he says, I am the light of the world. How does Jesus, as the light, help us to see him rightly and to believe in him fully? Well, I don't know about you, but when you immediately hear that phrase, the light of the world, you probably think of one thing, the sun. When Jesus says, I am the light of the world, he means that he is the source of all life. Just as our son is the source of all life. That's why he says that whoever believes in him will have the light of life. And in John chapter 1, we read that in Jesus was light and that light was the life of men. So most people throughout human history have probably thought of the sun when they think about the light of the world. I did some research on this this week. I read it on the internet, so it has to all be true. And one thing I read is that if the world, if the sun were to just, let's say the sun were to disappear in five minutes, the sun, poof, is gone, what would happen to the world? Here's what I found out. These are all from reputable scientific journals, I assure you. And um, here's what we read. Within one day, the average temperature of the planet would be minus 10 degrees. And within one week, it would be over minus 100 degrees. Within a week, most of the plants and vegetation on the earth would die, which means that within a few weeks, most animals on the planet are going to die. Humans might last a little bit longer, but I do have a backup plan because I've done this reading. In case the sun were to disappear, our best bet is to get into submarines and go to the very bottom of the ocean nearest the earth's core where it will stay warmest longest. So you survivalists, get to work on the submarines, okay? Um, so without light, life as we know it is not going to last long. When Jesus says, I am the light of the world, he means I am the source of all of your life. The light of the world means that Jesus is the source of life. It also means, however, that Jesus is the source of knowledge, of knowledge. Maybe that's what you thought of first. Jesus says that without light, we all walk in darkness. Now, of course, that's literally true as well as spiritually true. A couple of years ago, uh, when Marianne and I lived in Tucson, Arizona, before we moved here to plant this church, we took a uh, family day trip, afternoon adventure with another family, another friend of ours. And um, we went into a cavern. And uh, was Ben even born then? Ben's like maybe five months old. He's still in a stroller. Ainsley and Nate are very small. And uh, this is supposed to be a really fun, wonderful adventure. But we have a stroller with us. And as soon as we go into this cavern with the other family who also has very, very small children, you felt closed in. I mean, it was like walking into the mines of Moria, if you're a Lord of the Rings fan. I was waiting for the goblins to come out. It was a very narrow stairwell. And right over the edge of the stairwell was just pitch cavernous blackness. And, you know, I'm pushing a stroller and Marianne's got Nate held by the hand and he's a three-year-old or a four-year-old. And the whole time I am panicking that he's going to take one false step and poof, 
gone. And it's dark, so dark that without lights, we wouldn't have been able to see the hand in front of our face. Wasn't the best family trip we've ever been on, to be honest with you. But it reminded me of what it would really be like without light. We wouldn't even know what our next step was going to lead us to. That's what Jesus means as well. Jesus is saying that without him, all humans are walking around in a thick spiritual blackness. Without Jesus, none of us really see anything rightly. None of us have a grasp on what is really real apart from Jesus. As C.S. Lewis famously put it, I believe in Christianity as I believe that the sun has risen, not only because I see it, but because by it I see everything else. Jesus is the source of life. Jesus is the source of knowledge. And Jesus as the light of the world is the source of joy. The source of joy. Now, we all know in the last couple of weeks when the sun has been coming out again in San Antonio that when the sun is out and the weather's nice, we feel happier. That's a fair statement, right? And research has been done that people that live near the North Pole or near the South Pole, where there are weeks of almost endless darkness, guess what? Depression rises significantly. You know, when we lived in Philadelphia, we spoke to that. That's very true, by the way. The main reason we were somewhat depressed in Philadelphia was because of Eagles fans. But the second reason, the second reason is because it got dark so early in the winter and it lasted for so long. The light brings happiness. The light brings joy. I mean, think about it. If you have little children, when you wake up one of your children, or when one of your children wakes you up in the night because he or she has had a nightmare, what do you do? You don't say, hey, let's turn out all the lights. You turn a light on because you want to comfort them. You want them to feel at peace. You want them to be happy again. And mainly you want them to go back to sleep, right? So light is the source of our life. It's the source of our knowledge. It's the source of our joy. That's what Jesus is saying. And he's saying all of this, all of it, in reference to himself. Jesus brings you real life. Jesus brings you real knowledge. Jesus brings you real joy. Can we just stop for a second and think about that? We say this almost every week in John. Normal, good, moral teachers don't say those kinds of things. Do you get that? You kids, if you are in elementary school or middle school or high school and your teacher is teaching on science and the solar system and they say, just as an aside, or maybe they lead with this one morning in class, kids, the main thing you need to know is that I am the light of the world. You need to follow me. Those teachers probably need to be committed, right? That's a crazy thing to say. Good teachers don't say these sorts of things about themselves. So let's stop with the narrative that all Jesus is, is a good moral example, is a very good spiritual guide or teacher. Jesus does not leave us with that alternative if we're going to take him seriously. Jesus is saying much more about himself. So if you don't know Jesus, or if you're not sure where you stand with Jesus, you need to just sit in this truth for a minute. Let it hit you like a ton of bricks. That Jesus, without any sort of 
without any sort of, you know, embarrassment, calls himself the light of the world. He's clearly intending to preempt all the other lights and to be the sole and singular light of the world. Jesus wants you to see that he and he alone can give you these things. He and he alone can give you life and knowledge and joy. That's the claim he's making. That's the meaning, the meaning of the light. Second, the revealing of the light. So Jesus says, I am the light of the world. And the great presupposition of that idea that's made explicit in the verses that follow, verse 12, is that Jesus comes into the world as light because the world is dark. Because the world is dark. Spiritual darkness is what is meant here. Back in John chapter 1, we saw that the light shines in the darkness, chapter 1, verse 5. And that Jesus' own people did not receive him or know him. So spiritual darkness is an image in the scriptures that represents human rebellion against God. It represents what the Bible again and again refers to as sin. The scriptures make it abundantly clear that we are all walking in the darkness apart from the light of Jesus Christ. Sin separates us from the light. Sin separates us from God. Sin prevents us from understanding Jesus. Look at how that's drawn out in the passage. In the interactions that Jesus has with these Pharisees, really beginning in verse 13 and going all the way through the end of chapter 8, you see how the spiritual darkness that we all naturally walk in shows up. Look at the contrasts that Jesus lays out between himself and between the crowds, especially the religious leaders. Verses 15 and 16, he says, My judgment is true. Yours is according to the flesh. Verse 23, You are from below. I am from above. And then again, You are of this world. I am not of the, this world. What does all that mean? The point is that the dark is at odds with the light. And therefore... Those in the dark don't understand or comprehend the true light on their own. We just talked about how light is the source of knowledge, right? And these follow-up verses show that the Pharisees, they cannot understand Jesus. They cannot see him for who he is. And the reason is because light and darkness are polar opposites. They are contradictions, they cannot coexist. What we learn from these verses is that our inherent spiritual darkness blinds us from seeing Jesus rightly and from understanding Jesus truly. Look in verse 22. We see it there. The Jews said, is he going to commit suicide? They have no idea what he's talking about. Verse 25, they said to him, who are you? And Jesus says, I've been telling you this stuff from the very beginning. Verse 27, John says, they did not understand. They have no idea, no clue what Jesus is talking about. Very practically speaking, very bluntly speaking for us for a moment, if you're here today and you're not a Christian, according to John, if you're not following Jesus by faith, you just simply can't see 
what ultimate reality is. If you're not a Christian, you can see some things, but not what is ultimate. You can feel some things, but not what is ultimate. This is what the Bible again and again calls the domain of darkness, the realm of darkness. It's like trying to navigate life without knowing what ultimate reality is. You can run and run and run, but who knows if you're heading in the right direction. That is where you are. That's the only possible mode of existence for you. If you don't know Jesus, what does that look like practically? Here's what I think it looks like practically. The main way that shows itself in your life is that you don't see that you're in the darkness at all. You're like a fish in water. Fish don't know they're in water, I don't think. I've never asked a fish, but I would imagine they don't know they're in water. Just like those apart from Jesus don't know they're in the darkness. If someone was asked, how is your life apart from Jesus, a normal person living in San Antonio, they would likely say, and I know because I ask people this all the time, they would likely say, I'm doing pretty well. I'm a pretty good guy. I'm a pretty good gal. I mean, if you want to talk to me about spiritual things, then I would just, I guess I would say, I'm just, I'm not that bad. I've never killed anyone. I've never cheated on my spouse. I've never done anything really, really bad. I pay my taxes. You know, I've got some issues, but pretty much I would say I'm a decent person. I'm pretty good, especially compared to my neighbors, the guy that runs his sprinklers, even when there's a water restriction. I'm definitely better than that guy right? Uh, I'm better than most. I try to live a good life. God's not going to send me to hell. No way. That kind of religious language is way too extreme. It's way too radical for me. That's what most people living in the darkness think about themselves. And here's the truth. Jesus came to reveal to you and to me that our own inner lives really are full of darkness, no matter what we think. Let me, let me give you this as an illustration. And I've used this before. If that's the way you view your life, I'm really not that bad. I'm pretty decent. Let's do a thought experiment. Imagine that somehow we were able to record on video the last 24 hours of your life. And not just externally. You're not getting off that easy. But everything you've thought, everything you've almost said, every instinct that you had that you thought, oh, that's not good for polite conversation, and you've smushed it back into the recesses of your heart. Every misplaced word, every greedy or envious thought, every idea that was hateful towards someone else, every single one, none of them are missed just for one day. Imagine all of that was on video, and I put it right here on the wall behind me, and we hit play. Do you want to be in here for that? I wouldn't. In fact, I would hide the tapes. Destroy these tapes pronto. I've got a reputation to maintain, after all. If we're really honest with ourselves, we all have to admit that the brokenness that resides within us is much deeper than we initially want to admit. That's why Jesus came, you see, to show you that you're not in the light on your own. On your own, you're in the darkness. Jesus came to reveal to you that your own heart and your own mind, because you are a sinner, because you live in rebellion against God, is dark. And he came to rescue you out of that. He came to show you what is really real. He came to show you what his world is really like. He came to illumine you 
and enlighten you. That's the good news. He came to reveal the light of knowledge. But he also came to reveal the light of life to you. Look at verse 21. We're almost done. He says, I'm going away. You'll seek me and you will die in your sin. Whoa. Slow down, Jesus. Well, he doesn't slow down. Verse 23. You are from above. I am from below. You're of this world. I'm not of this world. I told you that you would die in your sins. For unless you believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. Jesus is saying that the road that you are on apart from him is a road that leads to one place and that place is death. That's where the darkness leads. Sin leads you to death. Remember the illustration of your life on video. If that were to happen, I'm guessing that all of our lives without exception would one degree or another go haywire. It would mess up our marriages. It would mess up our working relationships. It would mess up our friendships because the way we really are is leading us down a pathway to death. The sickness and the darkness within all of us is embarrassing and shameful. And if we're really honest, we know that that's the case. But guess what else? God knows that. You cannot hide that from God. You can hide it from yourself and you can hide it from others, but you can't hide it from God. You can't get away from God. That's why King David in Psalm 139 says this. He's saying, maybe I can get away. If I, if I say, surely the darkness shall cover me and the light about me be night, even the darkness is not dark to you, God. The night is bright as the day and the darkness is as light with you. Because you can't hide your darkness from God, you can't escape his just punishment, which is death. Your sin deserves death. You deserve separation from a good God. You deserve to be removed from his presence. That is what Jesus is saying here in these warnings. You will die. You will die in your sins. That's the worst possible scenario. But he doesn't end there. He says, I'm the light of the world. I've come to save you from the darkness of death. That's how we, why he repeatedly says, unless you believe that I am, unless you believe that I am, Jesus is the way to life, he's saying. Jesus is the light who came to drive out the darkness. He came to drive out your own inner darkness. How does he do that? Well, he hints at it in verse 28. They don't have a clue what he's saying. And so he says, when you have lifted up the son of man, then you will know that I am, that I am he, and that I do nothing on my own authority, but speak just as the father taught me. That phrase lifted up, we saw that back in John 3. That's a reference to the crucifixion. Jesus is saying here that the way I'm going to take away the darkness that dwells within each one of you is by letting the darkness overwhelm me. He's saying the way that the light pushes back the darkness is for a time to allow his light to be extinguished. That's what happens in his death on the cross, which is why Matthew in his gospel, chapter 27, tells us that between the sixth hour and the ninth hour, when Jesus is hanging on the cross, what happened? It goes dark. The sun is, as it were, blotted out from the sky. It's black night in the middle of the day. Why did that happen? It's happening to show us the meaning of Jesus's death. In Jesus's death, he lets his light, the light of the world, go out. But it's only out for a time. The light comes back in the resurrection. And so we see that your 
darkness is driven away because Jesus takes your darkness on himself in his death. And your light can shine because Jesus has conquered the darkness with his greater light. We can't get it, he says, until you see why I have come. That is to die on the cross. His light was flickering for a time and then in his resurrection, he gives us, along with his own, inextinguishable light. In verse 30, we see, as he was saying these things, many believed in him. Do you see Jesus? you believe in that? Do you believe that he's the light of the world, not just a good moral guide? Do you believe that he came to drive away your own real inner darkness and not just give you good advice? Until you see Jesus in that way, you have not yet really understood him. I am the light of the world. Whoever comes to me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. One last thing real quick. I remember when I was uh, a young man, younger than I am now, 18, 19 years old, and I think I was a Christian probably. I'd grown up in the church, but um, that was a summer in my life where God in a fresh way, revealed himself and his grace to me. I, prob- I definitely would have said I'm a Christian, but I'm not sure if I was. And I remember so vividly that summer in my house alone, when everyone else was at work and I was at home, reading this exact chapter, John chapter 8, to myself. And I had grown up in the church. I'd heard the Bible taught well my whole life. I'd been in Sunday school. I'd been baptized. I was a communing member of a church. But in that moment, I read Jesus say, whoever believes in me will never walk in darkness. And it hit me like a ton of bricks. The only way I can say it to you now is that I had a personal encounter with the resurrected Jesus. And I remember going down onto my knees with a Bible on the couch and weeping at my own inner darkness. And then rejoicing that Jesus as the light drives away the darkness. And I came across a hymn It's a great hymn by Charles Wesley. It's called, And Can It Be? And the third stanza goes like this. Long my imprisoned spirit lay, fast bound in sin and nature's night. Thine eye, God's eye, diffused a quickening ray. I woke, I woke, the dungeon flamed with light. My chains fell off, my heart was free. I rose, went forth, and followed thee. Can you say that about yourself? That's what it means to be a Christian. That's what it means to know Jesus. If you've never been able to say that about yourself, say it today. The light of the world is here, shining into your darkness. Let's pray.